We've been talking through uh, some issues that people ask questions about. So the series is entitled Asking for a Friend. And today we're going to talk about um, where do you get wisdom from or where do you get answers. And so we're going to talk about that today. Where do I turn for answers? There are lots of places where people seek answers in their lives. You can go to a friend. You can go to a, a priest. I mean, there's a lot of places you can go to. And wisdom is sort of hard to come by, so we're going to talk about that today. How do I know I'm doing the right thing? We're going to chat about that today. Now, I want to give you some Yogi Berra-isms. You all know who Yogi Berra is. If you're young, you might not know. He was a baseball player. He played for the Yankees, <clears throat> who are way behind the Red Sox, from what I understand. And uh, so, um, but he, he said kind of... He said clever things that he didn't intend to say. Or he, they were clever, and I don't know that he intended them to be clever. Let me just show you a couple, because he said great things. If you don't know where you're going, you might end someplace else. Now, that is really wise, so something you need to understand. Uh, nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded, so you've got to know where to go. Um, never answer an anonymous letter, and that, that is really good advice right there. Oh, I, I did too, sorry. Uh, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. That, that's great wisdom. Um, if I didn't wake up, I'd still be sleeping. I mean, I, I, who doesn't need to know that? Uh, if they don't want to come, you can't stop them. <laughs> think about it. Uh, you got to think about that just for a second. Always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. That's really <laughs> brilliant. Really brilliant. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. So uh, th this, is, this is wisdom. And the point is, our source of wisdom is vital. This last winter, I read a book called The Four. I wouldn't advise it to anyone. It was by a guy named Scott Galloway. It was written, uh, he's a businessman, and the language isn't always great, but he talks about the big four in society. There's uh, Amazon, and he talks about how Amazon fills our need for uh, things to, to gather stuff. And then he talks about Apple, and Apple is one of the big four, and Apple fulfills our need to feel importance. And then you have Facebook, and that fulfills our need for community. And then he talks about Google, and Google fulfills our need for knowledge. And Esquire magazine wrote an article about this, and, and it talks about how Google in some people's lives has replaced God. And so if you need an answer right away, do you pray or do you go to Google? Because Google can give you an answer immediately. Listen to what they write about this. As more and more people become alienated from traditional religion, we look to Google as our immediate, all-knowing oracle for answers from trivial to the profound. Google is our modern-day God. Think back on every fear, every hope, every desire you've confessed to Google's search box, and then ask yourself, is there any entity you've trusted more with your secrets than Google. According to Google Trends, the term Google is searched more than the term God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism combined. The thing about Google is it might make you smarter, but does it make you wiser? And the definition of wisdom is the ability to discern what's true and right and lasting. And if the ability to, to, to learn what is true isn't just a matter of smarts, because you might be really, really smart, but not 
wise. And what we have to understand is that wisdom, wisdom trumps intellect. And so we're going to talk about that. The Bible is full of wisdom. In fact, look at what it says in Scripture. The Proverbs, that's where we're going to be today, the Proverbs. A, it's a book written about wisdom, and it says, Search for wisdom as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. And if this was written today, the author would say, Search for wisdom as if you'd lost your car keys, or as if you'd lost the remote, or as if you'd lost your cell phone. Because when we lose those things, there is a certain urgency that we have to find them, and we have to find them now. I mean, have you lost your, your phone ever? I mean, have you ever misplaced it, and you have somebody dial it for you because you want to find your phone? And then you remember it's on silence, and you, there's this fear that washes over you, and you call the paramedics because you don't think you're going to be able to handle it? Okay, this is the degree with which we're to seek Wisdom, because it's true, and it's right, and it's lasting. And who doesn't need wisdom? I mean, as a parent, you need wisdom. As a worker, you need wisdom. As, as a, um, uh, a father, a, a, a husband, you need wisdom in your marriage. We all need wisdom. You go to Starbucks, you need wisdom. There are 80,000 choices. How do you pick, Right? 80,000 choices. I went last week, there's a Starbucks someplace, and uh, I had a card in my wallet. I pulled out my wallet. I remembered I have this Starbucks card. It's been in there, look, it's nice. It's been in there four years, three, four years. I've had it forever. I never go to Starbucks. Starbucks is for chumps. Anyway, uh, uh, I had a card, though, and it was right there. I mean, I didn't go to Starbucks. It was in the store. It's like, okay. I've got a card in my wallet with Starbucks. I go to the lady at Starbucks, and I said, is this, is this any good? She said, yeah, we'll take that. So I, I bought my black coffee, because that's what God wants every person to drink. Anything you put in it, it's from Satan. And uh, so um, I got my black coffee. I swiped my card, and, and I said, I don't know if it worked. <laughs> I mean, it was like a dollar. You know, it wasn't much. Uh, that's the only thing at Starbucks that's a dollar, by the way. And uh, I said, did, did this take? And she said, well, let me see it. And she ran it through the, the machine, and she said, yes, you have a balance. I'm like, yeah, I've got a balance of like a nickel. I have a balance of $86 on my Starbucks card that I never use. <clears throat> and no, I'm not taking you. Uh, anyway, anyway, <clears throat> I knew where you were going, but that's okay. I, I, had, I, had a, I have a reserve that I didn't know about. Now, we have a reserve of wisdom that we don't know about. And that's why the scriptures say, search for it. it it's available to you. It, it's there. You just have to access it. A few years ago, in fact, it was several years ago, there's a guy named H. Jackson Brown. And his kid was going off to college. His kid was named Adam, and Adam was going off to college. And H. Jackson Brown writes this little book called The Instruction Book. Let's see, The uh, Life's Little Instruction Book. And it was just, hey, Adam, here are some things I want you to know about life. It sold several million copies, a little bitty book. And basically, Solomon did the same thing with the book of Proverbs. He wrote to his sons about the wisdom that he had gleaned in all his life. It's funny, I, I think about things my father said to me. And, you know, Daddy said stuff, and, and at the time, it was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
But my dad said things that I remember. I, I apply them. They're little axioms that I apply to life today because he was right. And you know why he was right? Because he had experienced some things and he knew some stuff. And he helped me and he still helps me get through life. And so Solomon, who is reported in Scripture as the wisest man who ever lived on this planet, writes this little instruction book called Proverbs that's found in the middle of the Bible. And he's the one that says, search for wisdom. Just like you would search for a lost treasure or something that you lost that's valuable. And here's what's interesting to me is Solomon becomes king. Now, he's, David is the king and Solomon is his son. And Solomon becomes king when David uh, is no longer able. And Solomon takes the reins of the kingdom of Israel. This is God's people. And God appears to him, and I think it's probably in a dream, and he says, what, would, what can I do for you? And Solomon says, I need wisdom to lead these people. What a great request. I mean, he doesn't ask for, I mean, God was impressed, actually. Look at what it says here. Since you've asked for wisdom and not for long life or wealth or power over your enemies, I'll give you what you ask for, plus I'll give you what you didn't ask for. I'll give you wealth and honor and long life. And I don't know if Solomon understood this completely, but here's the deal. If you get wisdom, you get everything. Because wisdom is the key to everything. Because if you're wise, you can make money. And you can know how to keep money. And if you're wise, you'll know about honor. And you'll be able to make friends. And you'll be able to keep friends. And you'll be able to lead. And you'll have the ability to make decisions that will lead you into a long life. So Solomon writes this little book that's available to us. Just like my Starbucks card in my wallet, there's access to wisdom that you may not have ever thought about before. We're going to look at a little bit of it today. Now, again, very wise. Solomon writes, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, but, but its end is the way of death. There are times when we sort of think that we know the answer and we really don't know the answer. Has anybody, I want a little confession time in here, anybody ever watched one of the Barbie movies? Anybody? Yeah, I wouldn't admit it either, but I, I get it, I get it. I've got four daughters, so I've not ever watched them, but I've been in the room when they're on. And, all right, here's, the, here's, here's how every Barbie movie goes. Every Barbie movie. There's trouble, and Barbie says, uh, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. That's what they say. Believe in, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Okay. Now, the Bible says something about following your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Because here's what I know. You could follow your heart down the wrong path. Just because you think it's right or just because you want to do it or just because you think, hey, everybody's doing this. Following your heart is a formula for failure. And that's why Solomon would say to us, Listen, this isn't about following your heart. I, I read about a book the other day. I didn't read the book, but there's a guy named Robert Greene who wrote a book called The 48 Laws of Power. Let me give you some of the things. He says if you want to have power, this is what you should do. Never put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use your enemies. Conceal your intentions. Always say less than necessary. Court attention at all costs. Get others to do your work for you and always take credits. 
uh, not, not, not teaching Sunday school, I'm pretty sure. Uh, avoid the unhappy and the unlucky. Learn to keep people dependent on you. Crush your enemy totally. This is his advice. And then at the end he says, I hate to tell you, but the real fools are the ones who take the values of decency and morality too seriously. This is a business book, by the way. And Solomon would say, there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. You have to watch where you get your source of wisdom is vital. And you have to watch where you get your wisdom. One of my very, 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 very favorite Seinfeld episodes deals with not following your heart. I want to show it to you. It's about two minutes long. Speaking of having it all. <laughs> where were you? I went to the beach. Oh, the beach. <laughs> Start working, Jerry. Just that working. What is it that isn't working? Why did it all turn out like this for me? I had so much promise. <laughs> I was personable. I was bright. Oh, maybe not academically speaking, but <laughs> I was perceptive. I always know when someone's uncomfortable at a party. Can I come over there? It all became very clear to me sitting out there today that every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. <laughs> I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad, on rye, <laughs> untoasted, with a side of potato salad, and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. You know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna, because salmon swim against the current, and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. Uh, George... You know, that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents <laughs> don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria. Hi. <laughs> okay, so maybe following your instinct isn't the right thing to do. The problem is... 
if we just depend on our own, I mean, this is so silly, but if we just depend on our own wisdom, we find ourselves on the wrong path so many times. And then we have to seek wisdom from somebody else. And again, the point is our source of wisdom is vital. So the book of Proverbs, it's available to us. Anybody can read it. Everybody can read it. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your tablet. It's easy to find. The book of Proverbs is wisdom waiting to be accessed by you. In fact, Solomon writes this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose of these Proverbs is to what? It's to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. Through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction and discipline, good conduct, doing what's right, just and fair. These Proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those who understand receive guidance. The book of Proverbs, it's there for you, it's there for me. But here's the deal about wisdom. It's a process. Just like anything, most things worth anything are, are a process. You hardly fall into anything. And so if you're going to be in a great relationship, it's a process. And you have to date, and then you have to you know, share your lives and that sort of thing. And if you're going to be great at a job, usually you're not great the first day. It's a process, and you learn how to do it. And it takes some effort. And if you're going to lose weight, there's a process. You hardly ever lose weight right away. It's a process. You have to do certain things, change some patterns. And so today we're going to talk about three things that, that God through Solomon tells us. This is how you gain wisdom. Because who doesn't want it? I mean, we all want to make better decisions in life. So the first thing is, put all your eggs in one basket. Now that goes against conventional wisdom, but look at what it says in Proverbs 9.10. Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord, and understanding begins with knowledge of the Holy One. All right, here's, here's the disclaimer. If there was a warning label on Proverbs, it should say this, okay? Just so you know. Wisdom is often difficult. Following what God wants you to do, often difficult. It's likely to be countercultural, and it's always correct. It's difficult to follow God. When, every, when voices all over are saying something different, it's different. It's difficult sometimes. It's often countercultural. We live in a world that's more and more non-godly, uh, unchristian, and so there's sort of common ideas around things, and when you hold biblical principles and, and uh, you uh, adhere to biblical wisdom, sometimes, maybe often, maybe it's likely, I would say, that there are those who will say that's just old, it's the old way of thinking, and so when we put all our eggs in one basket, what, what I'm saying is we have to make a commitment that I'm going to follow God's wisdom, whether it's easy or whether everyone agrees, because I know it's correct. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a challenge sometimes. Sometimes you're going to be the only one standing in this position because this is what it says in the scriptures. And sometimes you're going to be standing in a current of, of people going the other direction, and you're going to be swimming upstream. It's true, but biblical wisdom is right. And so in Proverbs it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because your own understanding is so often wrong. 
There's a, a headline I read this week. Studies show men overestimate their intelligence. Ladies, can I get a witness? I mean, uh, um, the study found that this to be true, that men overestimate their intelligence 66% of the time. Think about that. For every three guys in here, only one of us are as smart as we think we are. I'm one. uh, And so... uh, uh, 66% of us think that we're smarter than we think we are. Is there any wonder we get into so much trouble? And so the Lord says, (laughs) I can help you with this. This is a struggle. This is a problem for you. But I've got an answer. And and it's honestly, I I said it was difficult. It's not incredibly difficult. Because you, you ask God for it. You listen to God, give it, and then you hang around people who have it. This, this is how you gain wisdom. If it's a process, this is the process. You pray for it, you listen to it, you hang around with people that have it. Let me show you a couple verses. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. God is willing, he's able, he's anxious, he wants to give you wisdom. If you lack it, ask for it. Here's... The, Here's the deal. I think sometimes, at least in my case, I don't ask for maybe two reasons. I'm afraid of what he's going to ask me to do, or I think I can handle it without him. It's usually one of those two things, the reason I don't ask God for wisdom. Now, here's what happens when I really ask God for wisdom. He gives it to me. Sometimes it's really challenging, and then he comes through. I mean, that's the pattern in my life. So we, we ask for it. And then we, we read Scripture. The Bible tells us all Scripture is inspired. It's useful to teach us. And it teaches us what's true. And it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. And it straightens us out and teaches us what to do that's right. If you want to supercharge your wisdom, read the Proverbs. I mean, you don't have to read all of them in one sitting. It's 31 chapters long. Read four or five verses a day if you're really anxious. I mean, if you think about it, at 31, you could read a chapter a day. Billy Graham was noted for how often he read through the book of Proverbs. It's easily accessible. It's a resource that you have available. You should take advantage of it. Because here's what happens. When I read the wisdom of God in the book of Proverbs, it helps me understand the way God thinks. It helps me understand his character. And when I know what he's thinking, when I know how he behaves, when I know what he does, it makes it easier for me to follow him. If I know him, I can follow him closer. With my wife, we've been together, we've been married uh, 28 years. We've been around each other a lot. Um, it, It took some time, but eventually... You kind of get to know, I got to know her patterns and what, she, what she's thinking and how she does things and what she doesn't like. <laughs> I told you this story before, but um, she bought me um, for my birthday, first birthday. Now, now, get this. We got engaged. I'm trying to think. Was this before or after we got engaged? Uh, it was in November. I, I'm, I, my birthday's in November. I think it was right before we got engaged. For my birthday, she bought me a polo shirt. Like a polo shirt, like a, no, a rugby shirt. Sorry, rugby. Y'all know what a rugby shirt is? It has the white collar. Does anybody in here play rugby? We don't even know what rugby is in Kentucky. I had never seen a rugby shirt. She gives me this rugby shirt. Now, 
every man in here, when you open a gift you don't want, what do you do? You act like you like it, right? I should have worn that rugby shirt. I liked her. The gift stunk, but I like her. What, you know what I did? You know what I did? L- listen to me, men. I said, can I take this back? She is a saint. I, I mean, I tell you, uh, to, be mar- to even be married is a miracle of God. Uh, I-, I opened it up and I said, I don't like this. Can I take it back? I mean, and then I asked her to marry me. I could- she should have just killed me there. Mm, I don't like you. Uh, you know, uh, can I take you back? I mean, it would have been great. Wisdom dictates. You get to know somebody so you can make good decisions in a relationship. This is what God is seeking for us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And so we get to know God better by reading his word. Then there's a third way to gain knowledge. Become wise by walking with the wise. I know better than to do what I did before. You know how? Because I made mistakes. Sometimes, most of the time, wise people are older people because they've made mistakes. And they can say, hey, listen to me. Here's some stuff you want to avoid, like opening a gift from your fiancé and saying, I don't like this, can I take it back? It's really not smart. You need to be around some people who've lived enough life to help you. Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life go to pieces. And I'm wondering if there's anybody in here that could give a testimony today about hanging out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces, because I suspect... That's several of us. We, we have to, the closer we get to God, the wiser we become. That's the principle. Second thing, you have to believe in consequences. In Scripture, it says the Spirit of God will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. So we're seeking God. So the second thing is we believe in consequences. We believe in consequences. Why don't you tug on Superman's cape? Consequences. Why don't you spit into the wind? Consequences. Why don't you tug on the mask of that old long ranger? Anybody? Consequences. Why don't you mess around with Jim? Consequences. Everybody under 50 needs to find somebody over 50 and they'll tell you why that's important. See, consequence, understanding there are consequences keeps us from doing certain things and keeps us, helps us do certain things. It, it, guides us away from certain activity, and it guides us toward certain activity. You have to believe in consequences. uh, Solomon put it this way in Proverbs. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? This is the first instance ever in the history of mankind of the term hot pants. Right there, right there, first time ever, right there in Scripture. It's really, really old. Can you... Is it likely, if you're on a steady diet of pizza and ice cream, that you're not going to gain weight? Probably not. Is it, is it likely, if you scream at your kids, yell at your kids, treat your kids poorly, that they're going to respect you? Not likely. There are certain things we do because of consequences. There are certain things we avoid because of consequences. I'll show you a couple. This is a couple from Proverbs. 
Money that is gathered little by little will grow. This is the, the concept of saving. And all who refuse correction will be poor and disgraced. All who accept correction will be praised. There's a concept of being accountable. See, actions have consequences. We have to believe in consequences. Proverbs talks a ton about this. One last one. You never, ever stop learning. And sometimes you learn from people's mistakes. L look at this one. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one lacking sense. I saw that it was overgrown with thorns. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. And then I looked and thought about it. And I learned this lesson. A little sleep, a little, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. If you're lazy, it doesn't pay off. I, I read this really, really funny article about Cat and Harlan Barnard. Uh, you're a couple of parents in Florida. They got tired of their kids not helping at the house, so they went on strike. So they set up a tent in the driveway, they moved outside, they stopped cooking for their kids, cleaning for their kids, doing the laundry for the kids. Their kids were 12 and 17, and they, they went on strike, and it kind of got picked up by the news. And this is what Ms. Bernard says, we've tried reverse psychology, punishment, praise, nothing has motivated them for any length of time. So we decided we would move outside. The strike took the kids by surprise. They came home from school to find their mother outside with handwritten picket signs that say, seeking cooperation and respect. Parents on strike. People would drive by. They would honk their horn, yell, hey, why don't you put the kids outside, which was kind of funny. And this is what she says at the end. Ms. Bernard said that her, she and her husband would keep up the strike until they saw some changes. If we have to stick it out until Christmas, then ho, 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 we're out here. So what she says. Again, there's... This issue of consequences, also this issue of you've got to never stop learning. These, these approaches didn't work, so I'm going to learn a new approach. So here's the deal with wisdom. Wisdom will help you follow the example of good people. You want to hang out with good people who have wisdom. People will say, I've heard this probably a million times in my life, the church is full of hypocrites. So are the ball games. So is where you work. Are there hypocrites at church? Yeah, there are. You're, everybody's welcome here. If you're a hypocrite, you're welcome here. But there are also some people who are genuinely trying to follow Jesus. There are people who really want to follow the Lord. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we intentionally go off the rails. Some people are just flat out fake. But when you come to church, the reason I come to church is because I can get around some people that I know are really striving to love Jesus. Here's the thing I know about Jesus, and I'll go back to it. When I follow his wisdom, when I follow God's wisdom, it will often be difficult. It will likely be countercultural. It will always be correct. Let me give you a couple of examples of how Jesus taught counterculturally, how he taught things that were difficult. Here's one. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. Okay, so there's, com there's a common idea here. Everybody in society did this. They ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Because that's what we do. They, they were saying, hey, here in the first century, this is what we do. We can divorce our wives for any and every reason. And they did. 
you burn the toast, you, you get kicked to the curb. Uh, somebody else comes along that I like better, I kick you to the curb. For any and every reason, it was permissible to divorce your wife. And Jesus teaches into this something that was challenging and countercultural and right. And he says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, this is directly speaking to divorce, and people today in our society will say, well... You should be happy, and you shouldn't have to take that. And listen, I'm not talking about abuse. But what I know is this. When Jesus says what God has separated, let no man, what God has joined together, let no man separate, I think he meant it. And there's even research around this. There's a, a young lady by the name of Shanti Feldham who wrote a book called The Good News About Marriage. Now, I want you to listen. I'm glad you're sitting down because this is a startling statistic. She writes in this book, if an unhappy couple does stick with their marriage, the vast majority are happy within five years. Almost eight in ten who avoided divorce were happily married five years later. Maybe we just give up too soon. Again, I'm not talking about abuse. If there's abuse, I'll help you pack. What I'm saying is sometimes we listen to conventional wisdom, which isn't that wise, Maybe we need to stick it out. Jesus was so countercultural. He loves people. He told us this because he loves us. But there's more. This is like the mother load of, of stuff. He talks, about, he talks about there being a creator. Well, Jesus believed in a creator. Maybe we should too. He talks about how God created them male and female. God chooses this. We don't get to choose what we are. God chooses it. That's not common. That's countercultural today. But it is what Jesus said. He says, for this reason, a father and mother, uh, a, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, a man and woman. This is what God's design is for marriage. It's countercultural. It doesn't make it incorrect. Jesus taught about tons of stuff like this. You've heard that it was said. There's common wisdom out there. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. This is incredibly difficult. Because the easiest thing to do is to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love people that like you and hate people that don't like you. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Rather, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, because we are called to be different kinds of people. Here's another one. This one will strike at your heart. Because this is what Jesus said. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And we look at that and we think, oh my word, what a high standard it is. Yes, it is challenging. It is countercultural. And it's right. Throughout the book of Proverbs and throughout the Bible, Jesus challenges us to think differently. See, wisdom is the ability to consistently make good choices. How, I, how can I consistently make good choices? Let me end with one, one more verse. 
For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. But we choose from whom we, to whom we listen. Our source of wisdom is vital. So I'm making the pitch today. As your pastor. As someone who loves you and wants the best for you. If you're going to seek wisdom. Seeking it in God's word. Is the right play. Let's pray. Father we love you. We, we know that you love us. You don't tell us things to keep us down. You don't tell us things to bum us out. You are challenging. You are countercultural. And you are correct. Lord, today I pray for the strength to do the things that you say. Even when it goes against the flow. Even when nobody else agrees, even when common wisdom says something completely different, I pray, Lord, that we would be people who are determined to lean not on our own understanding, but to lean into your understanding. Lord, you know more than us. You're, you're smarter, you're wiser, you know all things. It only makes sense that we follow you even when it's challenging. I pray that we can do that and that we would do that. And I ask it and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.